1: All
2: right, we are back and talking all things salary and compensation.
0: These are topics that all of us need to know more
1: about, want to know more about. Elisa, what are your tips for us? Oh, this topic is one of my favorites. So many people are afraid to have this conversation, and it's such an important conversation. It's so important because it's all part of being an advocate for yourself. So do some research. Glassdoor is a good starting place. Um, I think that they do provide... A uh, relatively fair compensation landscape, um, but take that with a grain of salt, but use it as a point of reference. I also think that there's a great website called The Muse where there's a lot of uh, tips on negotiating and can also provide places of where you can look for different types of market data. So you really want to call into mind what the market data is in your area what is on par with the position that you are interviewing for, and really understanding what you need to survive and what your bottom line number is. I am a big advocate of when that question is asked, how much are you looking for? Pushing back and saying, what is budgeted for this role? I think that is a very tactful way to push it back and negotiate and understand what's budgeted for the role. So I think it gives the candidate a little bit more of an upper hand in the negotiating.
0: And I'm so appreciative that you gave us that verbiage because I think that's a struggle for a lot of people. And the other one I hate is when they say, tell us your salary history, because really that has nothing to do with what they have budgeted for the position.
1: So I want to make it very clear that a company in a lot of states is not allowed to ask you what you currently make. So it's also very important to understand what the laws are in each state. For instance, California and New York, as a recruiter, I am not allowed to ask somebody what their current salary is. So be mindful of that when you're going into those conversations. If you are in California or one of those states where it's illegal, but they
0: ask you anyway, what's a tactful way to handle that? You're breaking the law, buddy. <laughs>
1: Maybe not, right? <laughs> what do you say? Send them in. Legally, I I'm not required to share that information. But I think it's it always goes back to I'd love to know what you have budgeted for the role. What's the range that you have budgeted for the role?
0: So Elisa, when is it appropriate to bring up the topic of salary if it
1: has not already been brought up
0: by the recruiter? Is it appropriate and at what point?
1: If they ask if you have any questions, it's be like is now an appropriate time to discuss salary conversations. I think it's it's about breeding the room a little bit because in the at the end of that first interview, the hiring manager may have made up their mind if they want to move forward in the process or not. I think it's perfectly acceptable to ask the recruiter, if it hasn't been brought up in the phone screen, what the budget is for the role or someone in HR. I think it's important to reserve those conversations for the recruiter, or HR, because a hiring manager may not have the insight into what the budget is. You articulated something very importantly, said that this is um, a two-way street decision. You
2: also know bare minimum what you need to survive personally. So um, those are that's just a very big thing to know, that you have control of it. You are part of this conversation. It's not a one-way street.
0: So with that being said, if the number they come back with is at that bare minimum level. How do you handle the conversation from there? Do you ask, is that at all negotiable? Take us to that next uh, step in the negotiation.
1: If a candidate is beyond the salary that I have budgeted for the role, I will share with them the number that I have. This is the budget that has been identified. What is your bottom line? Is this a deal breaker? If it is a deal breaker, and I know that this candidate is going to, has the skills that other candidates didn't have or has that specialized niche that this role needs, I am going back to HR and finance. I am asking the question, do I have any wiggle room in this role? It's always worth the question to ask because we don't want to lose out on good a good talent pool. I also ask the question, knowing that this is the budget, this is the top end of my budget, And I'm not sure if there's any wiggle room. Are you still interested in moving forward in the role? I understand and I respect that you have a bottom line that you need to meet. And
0: if the numbers are fixed, is it then appropriate to think about your compensation package as more than just the paycheck? What other areas might be worth exploring as negotiable?
1: Do not be afraid to ask, well, what does the entire compensation package look like? Different companies offer different things. And if whoever you're speaking to on the other line is is wanting to get a sense of what it is you might be looking for, don't be afraid to say, is there a bonus attached to that? What does the paid time off look like? If family planning is something that you are interested in, what kind of family planning benefits are there? Is there maternity leave, paternity leave? Um What's the vacation time? What about sick time? Those are all things to, you know, to help elevate your decision if you're interested in moving forward. Because the other thing you might be leaving on the table for a job that might be coming in $15,000 less than what your budget is, you may be leaving a bonus on the table that this new company can't offer you. So you have to really weigh the pros and cons. But certainly don't be afraid to ask, well, what does the rest of the compensation package look like?
0: And maybe another thing you could ask for is um, an early review, an early salary
1: review. Is that another good tactic? Some companies have a fixed merit period or review period. So I think it's important to ask. Is the role eligible for raises? Are there opportunities to look at um, market increases, merit reviews, and what does that look like within that company? Alisa, in one of our previous episodes, you had mentioned always
2: having something to kind of like an email saying, hey, per our conversation, it was great discussing X, Y, and Z, and that that would be a tactful way to bring any of those items up so that it is documented and you can refer back to it when the time is appropriate.
1: You have to understand that from a company standpoint, some companies don't want salaries in writing. It's because anything can happen, anything can change. The scope of the role could change. But I am a big proponent from a candidate's perspective to follow up and, you know, thank them for the conversation and highlight the things that came out of the conversation.
2: I think that's a great Piece of advice. What are red flags that you should kind of look for and weigh out your options of like, should I even continue down this path with this organization if they're already giving me pushback on these things?
1: I'm I'm going to point this answer to people who are junior coming into their careers. I think if you are starting a, a, a job where this expectation that you're going to work all of these hours looking at whether a company is going to pay you non-exempt or exempt. And non-exempt is broken down into an hourly position. And exempt is a set salary. And non-exempt, if you're being paid hourly, you are eligible for overtime. So if you are going to come into any type of position where somebody says, hey, we need you to be flexible and you need to be available to work if there's After hours, look at whether you're being paid hourly or not. Because if you are expected to work 60 plus hours a week, think about what that compensation is going to look like and how it's going to be broken down into an hourly basis. And then you find out that, yes, this whole package looks great, but the time and effort you're expected to put into this role you're not being compensated for that time. So I think it's important to recognize and pull that information out in your interview. What's the expectation of working overtime? Um, And I think being able to break it down, I think that that's, that's one crucial thing. I think if you are having a conversation and you at any point in the conversation start to feel like you're being a nuisance or a pain because you're asking for what you want, I think that in and of itself is a red flag because the other person on the other side of that screen or that phone has been where you are. And Vanessa, you pointed out that we need to let go of this idea that we can't ask for what we want. This is our livelihood. This is how the food gets put on the table and the bills get paid. And you shouldn't feel like you're not entitled to ask for what you want or what you deserve even if you're just asking the question in the convers and and the other person on the other line says no i'm sorry we can't make that work but be an advocate for yourself stand up for yourself and especially as women because you know this conversation seems there seems to be a lot of emotion and we make it very personal when it comes to money that doesn't need to be there
0: and i think maybe if you are new to the job market like you're just coming out of school, this is a particularly difficult conversation to have. So maybe practice, right? Maybe
1: practice in the mirror, asking for what you want. Practice, having those conversations, practicing asking for more money, being able to point to why and what you're doing and what you bring to the table and say, here are the reasons. This is what you're going to get. And this is why I'm going to be you know, a value add. I've had so many conversations, especially with, people starting their careers where they say sorry when they ask for more money. And I'm like, why are you apologizing? Do not apologize. I want you to continue to advocate. You should always ask if there's any room for negotiating. That's that question is empowering in and of itself. I love that. And you should be
2: having these conversations with employers that believe in that. (laughs) Uh, 100%.
1: So Just to do a quick recap here, when you know that the topic of compensation is going to come up in your job search, do your research on what those roles in your market are paying. Get an understanding of what the scope of the role entails. Practice having that compensation conversation in the mirror if you need to. And don't be afraid to push back on the conversation. Ask the question. Is the number negotiable? What is the budget in that is budgeted for this role? What is the salary that's budgeted for this role? And don't be afraid to leave that on the table and walk away if it doesn't work for you. I think when you know that you're prepping for an interview and prepping to have that potential conversation around compensation, ask your network, hey, do you have time to jump on a call? I'd love to get a sense, you know, the get your thoughts on questions that they might ask me um, and maybe talk, you know, pick your brain about compensation and what you think I should be targeting. I think that's an excellent, excellent piece mm-hmm. of, of, of advice is, is targeting your network. And I think, you know, I'm a big I'm a big advocate of practicing those conversations in real-life situations. so consistently setting yourself up for interviewing, you know, somebody who might just be getting into the job market, or somebody who might be jumping back into the job market, or somebody who's looking for a new job and they need to practice these conversations. Um, having conversations with recruiters is is a great way to to practice that compensation conversation.
0: Remember, if you don't negotiate at the beginning, You're always going to be negotiating from behind, right? Because you'll probably start out at the bare minimum and you may never catch up. So it's worth getting over that fear. It's worth taking the time to practice, whether it's in front of the mirror or with a friend or a recruiter friend that you have, um, and really get your
2: feet under you so you can go in assertively. It'll save you much time and heartache later on. I so love that you brought that up, Sue. That is 100% true. Like where you start is like the basis for any other raise, bonus percentage. It's all based on that initial salary that you Mm -hmm. negotiated when you came in. So negotiate, (laughs) negotiate, negotiate.
0: Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Get Real AF. We're excited to bring you the voices of amazing women and girls who are shaping the future for
2: good. We also want to give a big shout-out
0: and thanks to Sam McLean for providing sound production for the show. You can find Sam on Instagram at McLean Sounds. that's M-C-L-E-A-N-S-O-U-N-D-S, and to our voiceover artist, Veronica Horta, for her show introduction. You can find Veronica on LinkedIn by searching for Veronica Horta, H-O-R-T-A. And we want to give a special thanks to Florence Lumsden, our associate producer for the We Get Real AF podcast. You can find Flo on LinkedIn at Florence Lumsden, L-U-M-S-D-E-N, or at her website, danceandflowproductions.com. That's D-A-N-C-I-N-F-L-O productions.
2: We'll meet you back here next time for another great conversation about high tech with cool women.